0: You're listening to the Wild 7 Podcast Network. Listen different. Abe! Lunchtime! Coming, Ma! Abraham was an unusual child, born with a top hat and a beard and a knack for hewing and Wood. Everyone knew he was going places. Some even said he was going to be the president. Four score and seven years ago? Oh, oh wait, that can't be right. How old am I, Mr. Announcer? You're nine. Oh, okay. 1818 uh, 18, minus 1776... A two score and two years ago? Doesn't sound as cool, does it? Guess I gotta wait till I'm a grown-up to be cool. Kid Abraham. Sundays at 9, only on Alpha, Beta, Gamma. In the woods of Alex Rogers. Episode thirty-two. Any one of us could be. Yes, let me take a look at the list here. I'm sure you're somewhere on the invite list. Let's see. Listener, listener long. Oh, there you are! There you are, podcast listener. Come with me; we have a front row seat into the audioville. Welcome back, my fine, friendly, freaky, ferocious friends. This is Alex Rogers, recording and reporting from a timeless zone in which your listening is. The now, <clears throat> you can do that better. In which you're listening is the now. Well, let's settle on in. Ooh, man, I I just got uh, caught up on trying to get that now out, but boy, my voice is just a little shot today, folks. <clears throat> Boy, excuse me. We, it's been already a wild day today at Wild 7. Um, I'm here in good old DTLA, more fo-kay? Yes, sirs and madams, last few times I've been at the crib. <laughs> and now we're here in DTLA. Shut the fuck up. No, you shut the fuck up. <sighs> um, so you know where you are now. And uh, we already laid down a track for the newest Wild 7 podcast, and I've been rehearsing uh, with the great April Mendoza and Alexa Morales for a scene that I will be a part of tomorrow in this wonderful upcoming telenovela series here at Wild 7. And the telenovela se llama, it is called Amigas. It's going to be really cool, really hilarious stuff coming up. And sure enough, they made an occasion for this Caucasian. And I am going to be in this production called Amigas. That's correct, folks. I will be speaking. Voy a estar hablando español. Yes, sirs and madams, I love Spanish. Español es un idioma muy romántico. Me encanta. I, I've always enjoyed uh, speaking it, trying it out. Uh, I've, I wish I had an even deeper understanding of it. But boy, am I excited to do some lines in Spanish. And sure enough, my name in this production is Wero, white boy. <laughs> and hey, I can relate to that. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And all that is to say that it's been one wild day already. So, um, if my uh, voice is going in and out, you'll know why. Uh, That's why when you heard me say my usual, uh, you know, announcement at the beginning of the show about being in the now, instead of that now thing that I do, it came out as (laughs) now. Because I just... Woo! I'm I'm just about done. Spent. It's also hot as a biz watch up in here, uh, because we're on the top floor of a building in the armpit of L.A. And and that's a that's a rather slight way of saying it. It's not the armpit. It's actually the heart. It can just be a little bit of a open heart surgery depending on what street you're on in this area. But we love every part of it because, well, I'm very grateful to be here. And uh, let me take a little swig of water here, too. Whew! Yeah, that was necessary. Got to keep myself hydrated. And, you know, I have been so bad about that. Man, why do I not hydrate more? You'd think, dummy that I am, with the amount of talking that I do, that I would keep this instrument well lubricated. Well, there's going to be some good continued cinema talk today my friends I saw some more oldies and I'm getting more and more impressed but before I share some of that I want to say you know when you look at these older movies that they really actually have a blessing on their hands there wasn't too much technology Woo! we got a we got a surprise visitor in here my friends Mr. Naz Red just stepped in the building and he's looking like a guy who's missing an important ingredient in his world. I've forgotten my phone. I'm sorry. It's okay, Mister Red. You don't have to say you're sorry, my brother. Where you? Ca- we can't find the phone. Need no. me to call it? No. Um. You know what? I'll call it. I'll have the girls call. It. Thank you so much. Oh, it's fine, my friend. Hey, I love you. Hey, hey, man. Y'all good? That's Mister Red. Hey, guys. I can't be speaking without. Well, it sounds like he found his phone. There you go, folks. Now, see, I'm not going to edit that out. And why? Because it's real, baby. Oh, look. It's in, my bag. I'm it's in his bag. It's in his bag. He's, he, he found it. He found it. He's good to go. Love that guy. Thank you, Mr. Red. You know, by being a part of this, my friends, I'm rediscovering my love for all things creative. When the, And don't worry, this isn't a tangent. This actually does relate to what I was going to say just a couple minutes ago. Real quick, you know, it's not gonna be a big surprise to y'all, and if you've listened to some of the earliest episodes, I've said as much, which is I do have a background in acting. That was my main flavor throughout all of my childhood, through all of my teenage years and most of my twenties. Meaning every calendar year from about yeah, about the age of seven through twenty-six. So let's just call it a 20-year period, rough, give or take. I was in a play, at least one play. Sometimes, I I remember one year when I was 22, I I had done a total of six plays in one year. Damn! So I have a massive theatrical background, um... It's part and parcel to me. I think I was born theatrically. And if you listen to that wonderful Mother's Day episode, you all know how my mother, you know, put me in these great acting programs that were available to us in my hometown. And I really loved acting for a long time. Wait a minute. He just said loved as in past tense. What happened? Well, like any great love, you can have your heart broken. And... Hello, L.A. You agree with me? I agree with you, too. And L.A. itself is a strange town because, as we all know, it can be the town where movies happen. There's a lot of magic and mystery and madness to this town. And there's also a lot of desperation and fakery and bad intentions. And I became sick of acting because of the culture it becomes in a cranking town like this, where it suddenly becomes all about jobbing and headshots and auditions. And more and more, I, I, I met more and more, I met fewer and fewer actors, and I, and you don't see me doing air quotes here. And the reason I'm air quoting them is that I believe to be an actor, You don't just learn lines and get headshots and go to the next audition. Now, that's super important. And actually, I'm one to talk because if there's one thing I'm bad at is doing all of the professional technical aspects to acting, especially if you're doing the whole career thing. But the love for it, watching movies, getting into directors, getting into... How about doing some deep diving into some classics and not just what your acting coach told you to watch that one time, but to really on your of your own volition, jump in and find some old stuff to learn from. I got really tired of just a continual dick measuring, pussy measuring, excuse my vulgarity, but both sexes do it. And, and, and any other in between, all, all spectrum of gender, everyone just trying to kind of be, what am I trying to say? Point is all walks of life were starting to get on my nerves. Even me and my own thoughts getting on my nerves about how everything was just becoming stressful, how auditioning was becoming a nightmare, and how even doing plays, it wasn't becoming fun anymore. And I don't really know if I want to do theater again. You know, there's a lot to theater that I want to talk about, and I just don't want to talk about it on this episode. But it, don't worry, folks. Keep on listening. We'll get to it. I guess the main point I wanted to make right now is that I'm having fun doing simple, creative things again. And I'm just kind of, through the movies that I'm enjoying watching right now, some of those guys and gals are making acting look really fun again. And I don't know. I, I might just get back into that. I'm obviously not... You know, dismissing the the voice acting That's huge on my list right now I love doing the podcast I love doing things with my voice um, As I hinted in the last episode There's some other stuff coming from Wild 7 Which will feature yours truly on a vocal level So do keep those ears open uh, But just also doing the acting You know, working on Amigas right now With with uh, the Nightshade Collective You know, just just feeling really like Hey, this is fun I I forgot. And when you're with good people, when you got friends like Nas Red and April Mendoza and Ashley Mendoza and Alexa Morales and Chris Troll and everyone else who comes through here. Oh, and by the way, and and shout out to Morgan, Captain Morgan, and excellent Emily. Man, look at that. We have like a regular, uh, you know, party of heroes happening right now. Now we just need a ring and a great soundtrack by... Howard Shore and we can go into some middle earth. But yeah, I'm I'm very happy to be uh finding the the bug, the good bug again cuz you never know. I mean, look, I, I I like acting. What I don't enjoy is bad attitudes. And last thing I'll say on this too and what also dissuaded me from it. And I'm going to say it really really bluntly, folks. A lot of mental Illness finds its way into the creative arts. I'm not knocking mental illness. Creative arts is very good for assuaging a troubled mind. But you are not allowed to spill your troubled mind all over your collaborators and pass it off as talent with a temper. Your days are done because I'm going to reclaim my power as an actor and take it back from those of you who cannot understand that I'm describing exactly who you are. Ooh! Well, we're going to leave it off on that kind of nebulous uh, note there. Uh, But let me uh, now get into uh, the good stuff that I've been uh, observing and watching this last week. Folks, there's an old school actor that you may have heard his name before. I didn't know. I knew his name. You know, the only thing I knew about this actor was the character Michelangelo of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from the 1990 film Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which, by the way, holds up phenomenally. It's a really good movie. I saw it only less than five years ago, so in my adulthood, and I can tell you with full assurity, that movie holds up. It, there, there's very few things that you're going to be like, oh, that's cringy and outdated. The, the lessons of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which really the whole, the whole message of that movie is, you can be as cool as you want, but ultimately it's about love. And if you got love in your life, that's where your worth comes in. What?! That message in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Well, my God. Well, anyway, back to the main point, which is Michelangelo in that movie. He's impressing their friend April O'Neil. And he's going through all of his little, uh, 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 he's doing his Rocky impression. And then he goes, you rat, you dirty rat. And then I think someone, one of the other turtles is, is just like, oh, no, he, nah, not Cagney. And you realize, oh, and even as a kid, you're like, okay, I guess there's some guy named Cagney. And he's doing this guy who's going, you rat, you dirty rat, you killed my brother, or, you know, something like that. Well, that you dirty rat, that's as ubiquitous as, now look here, see? Or, or these, or, or like, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. You know, these, these sort of these, these words, these phrases that we've heard as a collective whole, whether you've seen it or not. Well, there you go. Even in a kid's movie from the 90s, they they slipped in the little uh, hint-hint- you-should-check-out-James-Cagney-one-day message. And so I have. And James Cagney is currently my favorite actor. And I'm surprised that I never saw any of his movies until now. And I've only seen two thus far, but I can't wait to watch really anything that the guy is in, because I can't take my eyes off of James Cagney. He is so cool. Now, real brief, if you don't know anything about him, he played a lot of very violent gangsters in like the 30s through the 40s. And again, time periods that up until recently, I didn't really care about. But also, again, I'm finding more and more that 30s, 40s, even up to a certain point in the 50s, we're kind of telling you how life is in these movies. Nothing's getting too vulgar. Nothing is being exploited, per se. It's just being shown. And these gangster movies, even in the 30s, there's one that... James Cagney did called The Public Enemy. Now, that's the second movie that I saw of what I've seen of his so far, but I'm going to start with that because I want to kind of go in the order of things that I've really liked. Now, I really liked The Public Enemy. That was very, very well done. 1931. That is the earliest movie that I have stumbled upon so far in this deep dive. I I dare say if I go any earlier, it's going to get into the silent era. So I'm guessing that James Cagney was... Part of your like original X Men lineup of heroes coming out in into the talkie era of motion pictures, and he's just he's got this amazing ability to just in the way he speaks and indeed in his actions because he does it he punches out a lot of people he slaps around both men and women he is just a violent dude. And he makes you think that he's about to hurt you <laughs> with things that he says. Now, you know what's kind of funny is that it turns out, as I've been doing a little bit of research on the guy, total sweetheart is what it sounds like. Like, he would, he would be absolutely gracious and sweet to his co-workers, and then once the cameras are on, bam, time to turn on the gangster and be a badass and a motherfucker. Now, The Public Enemy has a famous scene. It's not even the famous, it's not like the biggest part in the movie, but somehow it's a little visual clip that has been shown a lot. And again, whether you know James Cagney or old movies or not, I bet randomly you've probably seen this. It's the little shot where he's in his pajamas, he's at the breakfast table, he's talking to this lady, and then he just picks up half of a grapefruit and smushes it in her face real disrespectful real crass and it's as shocking as that sounds now i think i almost feel like the first time i saw that was on muppet babies do you all remember that when your room looks kind of weird and you wish that you weren't there just close your eyes and make believe and you can be anywhere Muppet, 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 baby, baby. Well, um, none of you asked for that, and some of you are going to need therapy after that. But just be glad if you never saw the show that you didn't see it because that's where most of my therapy comes from because that was one strange-ass show. Real quick, you know the Muppets? Someone who exhaled a giant hot smoke at that point, said, I'll tell you what, how about this? Muppets, but when they're babies, it's all animated, and they got this big house that they can never leave, and every door they open up is random footage from classic, like, black and white cinema. Sure, let's do that. And they did that. That's the damn show. (laughs) And I want to say... That one time when they opened up, it would be the usual gag where like they open up the door and, oh my God, a train's coming right for us. Quick, close the door. Like that kind of thing. And I'm pretty damn sure that there was one where they opened up and there's James Cagney. And of course, just like any other show from my childhood, they're like, yeah, it's fine that kids are watching a grown man doing this very domestic abuse move of smushing food in a woman's face, humiliating her. (laughs) Now, if this was never on Muppet Babies, my mistake, but at least we fit in a Muppet Babies reference that was not planned nor expected on this episode. But James Cagney is oftentimes, you know, playing a violent, unrepentant criminal, but he also, as a character, will have some soft sides to him. He'll he'll usually have deep regard for his mother or a friend. Now, let me... Transition over here to the one that just took me by storm. And I've now watched twice. And I think I got it in me to watch it a third time and real soon. White Heat. 1949. White Heat. Directed by Raoul Walsh. And according to according to IMDB, uh, Cagney was tired of playing this type of dude. And he hadn't been playing gangsters for about 10 years. And he really wanted to focus on other things. Turns out he's a total song and dance man as well. He won the Academy Award for a film called Yankee Doodle Dandy. And all I know about that is one clip where he's just there going, I am a Yankee Doodle Dandy. <laughs> and, and for that, he got his Academy Award. But he didn't get an Academy Award for like these iconic roles of these gangsters, but he just was like, look, man, I'm tired of being violent dudes who hit women and, and shoot guys, and just, I want to make some stuff that kids can watch, that maybe families can go to, so therefore, he's doing his musicals, and I think some of the lighter comedies, and just, just, I think he, he really kind of did everything, I want to say every genre he, he, he fucked with at some point, Well, here comes this movie, White Heat, which apparently he himself kind of saw it as just like another one of his run-of-the-mill gangster movies. I think the movie is on fire, and not just because of the title. And you really do... If your movie's called White Heat, it better be cooking up to something big. You can't have any boring moments in a movie called White Heat. And that's exactly what this film is, is that it's just... It's a pressure cooker. It's a time bomb. It's a stove that hasn't been looked at for an hour and a half. It's about ready to blow up. This shit is about... Now, Cagney at this point is 50. So what's kind of cool is he, he's still this guy he played a lot in his younger years, but now he's, he's kind of got a little bit of age and a bit of extra, you know, that kind of the horrors of adulthood when you, when you start to carry on your face the pains that you've collected along the way. And what's really interesting about this character is that he is such a mama's boy. He's a grown-ass man, and he's got that career mom. He's got that Genghis Khan mother, meaning she's like his manager, and she's absolutely aware of his criminal activities. She encourages them. She's the kind of person to say, kick his ass, son, or... Well, if you don't like that person, I say you shoot him. And, you know, like, like she's, bred, she's, she's raised a killer, essentially. And Cagney apparently really wanted to, like, specify this guy. Not just some random killer. He, he really worked on making sure that we, the viewers, go, Oh, this guy's not well. This guy, in fact, is a psychopath. I don't mean that glibly. I mean that clinically. This is about a clinical Psychopath. It starts with a train robbery that, of course, has, oops, a few problems to it, which is going to lead to bigger problems in the movie. It's got great dark characters all around. What's cool is he's got this love interest. I think it's his wife in the movie, but she, she's a no-good floozy. And the actress is great, Virginia Mayo. When they show her in the movie, they do this brilliant choice. She's asleep. She looks gorgeous. She's got that, just that that quality blonde bombshell look that was very big in the late 40s through the 50s. And as she's sleeping, she's snoring real loud, too. How perfect is that? This gorgeous hot angel on a bed snoring. It's just a little taste of kind of like, who this character might be, and sure enough, there's one part where she's like kissing this—you know, definitely not him, but you know, because she's she's bad, you know, she's obviously manipulating other men in the group and all that. Not obviously, you know what I'm coming from, and but saying this character, it's it's within this character's reality to be playing everyone, and she is like chewing gum and she spits it out real quick to then kiss this guy. I just I love I just love how they got someone who just on pure, just when she enters the room, your breath is taken away. And then you see how she's acting and she's a little, she just got a few kind of just edgy things to her. And man, just Cagney is, is so out of, just he's so perfectly in control, out of control in this movie. And there's one, there's a couple scenes that will just blow your mind. I don't want to spoil it for you, but he finds himself in prison and there's a moment in prison where he has this giant emotional outburst that even turns physical. And you, the viewer, totally get where he's coming from. And it's super vulnerable. And it's raw. And it's in front of all the other prisoners. And what's crazy is, I looked it up, he didn't let anyone know what big choice he was about to do. So he just goes for it, and you see genuine shock all around him, and because I don't want to spoil for you what happens, but it's a major plot twist, it's a not even a twist, it's a it's a full-on turn, it's a full-on oh shit moment, and even though you know that this guy is no good, and, and it's not some later movie where we have to ch- suddenly make him into a good man by the end, no, 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 he's gonna start Go through and end as a killer. But as much as we know this about him, and as much as we in our rational mind don't approve of him, when he has this moment in prison where he just every where his heart just leaps out of his body, metaphorically, and he has this scene of emotional height, you're gonna feel for the guy. You can't not feel for the guy because in that moment, you're not looking at a criminal. You're looking at a human being that any one of us could be. So, white heat and the public enemy. And I know, I know, I know, for all of you who are way deeper in the Cagney game, I know that there's, I, I got to watch The Roaring Twenties. That's coming up. Angels with Dirty Faces, that's coming up. Uh, I, you know, I even want to watch Yankee Doodle Dandy. You know, two, one year ago, if you said, want to watch Yankee Doodle Dandy, I'd say, no fucking no So now, however, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm interested because the guy is fantastic. He is a powerhouse of talent. And I can't believe I didn't get into him before. So I recommend White Heat, The Public Enemy, anything else with James Cagney. And there we have it, my friends. I'm tapped out. I think that'll be that for now. But fear not, we shall talk again real soon. In the mean in between, thank you for your time. Thank you for your rhyme.